plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, 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 hello. Welcome to our power party. This is Cynthia Bryan, and the show is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're brought to the airways under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. And we're coming to you live on the Voice American Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. And I'm so glad that you are with me here today as uh, any, any day, every day, because we always have something important to chat about. Today's show we're going to be talking about medication timing, storing your stuff, and applying to college. Um, in our second segment is going to be talking about the storage and storage units. Do you rent one? Do you know what's in there? Is it temporary? Is it long-term? Is it cost-effective? Or have you just stuff all your junk in there and then you forget about it and you have a bill every month? That is kind of the norm. In our third uh, segment, uh, it's that time of year where high school seniors uh, are back in high school and many are working on their college applications. And everybody has a favorite school, but is it the possibility of acceptance um, a reality at the school you want? Should students apply to multiple schools as backups? Really understanding the admission trends and processes could be beneficial to reduce the stress. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. You can visit Be The Star You Are at bethestarur.org. We are in our 24th year and um, excited because we will be having a booth at the Moraga Pear and Wine Festival, which I'll tell you about in a second. This is from Earl Nightingale. I'm grateful for the opportunity to live on this beautiful and astonishing planet Earth in the morning, I woke up with a sense of gratitude. And you know, that that kind of encapsulates everything I feel. Every morning, I wake up with gratitude that I woke up, start my day with a 20-minute gratitude meditation, and it just centers me. So I thought that uh, this miracle moment really is a miracle moment. We should all embrace that and have that sense of gratitude. Well, mark your calendars if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area for the Pear and Wine Festival coming up on Saturday, September 24th, 11 to 3 at the Moroggan Commons Park. You can find more information under events at bethestarur.org. It is always just a really fabulous day in a gorgeous location, you know, under the trees, on the grass, with the creek, and there's live music, uh, there's food, there's wine, there's pear eating contests, there's pear pies kind of an old-fashioned kind of festival, which I really like, and young people just love. There are food trucks and jump things for kids, and at our at, uh, our booth at Be The Star You Are, we're going to be doing Plant a Seed for Literacy. Kids are going to get to paint a pot and plant seeds, and we'll have a reading circle, 
We'll be giving quite a few giveaways away. Uh, we'll also have book sales. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, the newest book in, um, in, my, in my new series, it is called No Barnyard Bullies. It's, in a, it's a children's book in the Stella Bella uh, Ad Barnyard Adventures series. And hopefully it will be available and we'll debut it. But we want to give our gratitude to MB Jesse Painting and to the La Mirinda Weekly for sponsoring Be the Star You Are again. And if you need a really expert painting anywhere in um, the San Francisco area, Bay Area, visit mbjesse.com. That's M like Mary, B like boy, J-E-S-S-E-E.com. -S -S -E -E they do a great job. And then the La Mirinda Weekly is a newspaper that I write for. And I've been doing that since 2008. And I certainly appreciate them jumping on board to, to uh, support Be The Star You Are, especially in these tough times. But our volunteers are really excited to be at the Pear and Wine Festival. So if, when you come, you'll get to meet many of the Express Yourself Teen radio reporters who are coming in from all over just to be there and meet you. So uh, I was reading a very interesting article in the Wall Street Journal, and it was about the importance of taking your medication by the clock at the time that you are supposed to. And, I, you know, I never really thought about it because I used to just think, well, most people take their medication in the morning um, because that's when you brush your teeth and you kind of remember. Or sometimes they take it at night because that's when you brush your teeth before you go to bed. But the reality is for drugs meant to avert heart attacks and strokes, you have to do what's called chronopharmacology. It is a life-saving difference, and that means taking your medications at specific times. So the information about it is, is that our physiology and biochemistry change profoundly over the course of a 24-hour day. So it's not surprising, I guess, that, that medications can show variable levels of effectiveness depending on when we take them. The concept of chronopharmacology says that medications and treatments need to be delivered at a time of day when they are most needed and most effective. And researchers are finding that chronopharmacology is especially important for heart attacks and strokes, which are two of the leading causes of death in the U.S., as we know, responsible for about 900,000 deaths annually. Now, that is almost a million, that is really quite a bit. So a stroke occurs when a blood vessel in the brain ruptures and bleeds or when there's a blockage in the blood supply to the brain. And then a heart attack occurs when the supply of blood to the heart is suddenly blocked. So that blockage or rupture of a blood vessel in the brain or the heart, it prevents glucose and oxygen from sustaining these highly metabolically active organs. And these life-changing events show a circadian variation, which I never knew about, meaning that they're more likely to happen at certain times of day. So the, a major review, 31 studies, and this was based on 11,816 stroke pub, uh, patients, which was published in the journal Stroke, found that there was a 49% increase in the chance of a stroke, get this, between 6 a.m. and noon 
compared with the rest of the day. I would have never thought that because I always think you kind of wake up and you feel good and it's usually the end of the day. But then, oh, and that, that uh, by the way, um, that was published in 1998. So that is a, a ways ago. But there was a journal um, study that was published in Heart, which is a journal, in 2011, and it documented similar results for heart attacks. So collectively, the data shows, you know, unambiguously that you are most likely to die from a stroke or heart disease first thing in the morning. So I was trying to think, what is the contributor to this? Why at 6 a.m. to noon window? Why is that the risk and death is the circadian-driven circadian rise in heart rate and blood pressure? And the answer is it occurs because the body anticipates the demands of activity in the morning. So that's so interesting that we know that we're going to have to like jump out of bed and get to work. And that switch from sleep to consciousness uh, makes an increased need for oxygen and nutrients. And that rise in blood pressure is a large part um, mediated by the, uh, the nervous system, the part of the nervous system that is responsible for the unconscious control of bodily functions. So altered behavior in the form of a major change in activity and posture after waking up acts to increase blood pressure. And that increased physical activity is accompanied by physiological changes. And that includes a rise in the cortisol, testosterone, insulin, and glucose, all of which help drive a higher metabolic rate and increased activity. So that raised metabolism requires more oxygen and glucose, and that increased blood pressure delivers those essential. And significantly, there is also an increase in pro-clotting factors in the blood in the morning, including the activation of platelets. Now, uh, platelets normally act, you know, they clump together to form blood clots, and that prevents blood loss following any injury. But they can also work against us by producing clots that will actually block blood vessels. And then when the blood vessels get blocked, you have a stroke. So blood clotting peaks in the morning hours, and it corresponds to the greatest chance of having a stroke or a heart attack. Now, if you are really healthy, these dynamic changes are probably not a problem. But if you are in poor health or you are sick, um, this could make them lethal. So anything that keeps our rhythmic physiology from getting the correct materials in the right place in the right amount at the right time of day will increase our health risks. And some of those risks are like night shift work, jet lag, a real marked sleep-wake disruption. That's all associated with an increased chance of stroke and heart attack. I, I just remember um, when I was in high school and I took the midnight to um, 9 a.m. shift in the dehydrator. Now, you probably wonder what's the dehydrator, but it was a, that was in the fruit yards where we would um, dehydrate pears and peaches and apricots. And I did that so that I could go out on a date and then go to work and then I would be able to come home and sleep a few hours and then go swimming or something because it would be summer. But now when I look back on that, I just remember I was really tired 
all the time. And my circadian rhythm was definitely off. Good thing I was healthy because that would definitely lead to stroke or heart attack. So um, this syndrome is called SCRD. And that means sleep and circadian rhythm disruption. And it is clinically linked to elevated blood pressure and higher uh, triglyceride levels. Now, high triglycerides contribute to the hardening and thickening of the artery walls, and then that increased the risk of stroke, heart attack, and heart disease. So individuals who have a heart attack during the morning um, risk, uh, uh, you know, in that morning risk window, they also experience more heart damage, and they also have a poorer chance of recovery compared if you have a heart attack at other times of the day. Now, the German physicians refer to this time period as the death zone. I don't like that at all. It's a word originally used to describe the strong likelihood of death by sniper fire if you entered the buffer zone between West and East Germany. But they, German physicians call the morning time, that 6 a.m. to noon, the death zone. And who would have thought this just, I never thought about that. I know that there's, um, there's a lot of things you have to put, you know, like they tell you to put certain creams on your body at night because when you're sleeping that you'll, they'll be absorbed more or like, um, uh, liquid for your eyelashes, but I never thought about it for the medications. So the daily changes in stroke and cardiovascular risk are now being considered in both the development of new drugs and the delivery of existing medications. So when blood pressure medications known as um, antihypertensives are taken before bedtime rather than in the morning, they are more effective in regulating your blood pressure level and in reducing stroke and heart attack. And in the most extensive study to date, and this one was in the European Heart Journal in 2019, so now we're much closer than uh, 1998 or 2011, um, it showed that uh, taking antihypertensive medication at bedtime was associated with both improved blood pressure regulation and halving of the cardiovascular problems and death when compared if you took that same medication in the morning. Uh, the researchers at the University of Vigo in Spain randomly assigned 20,000, that's a big number, hypertensive individuals with an average age of 60 to take their entire daily dose of one or more antihypertensive drugs at bedtime or waking in the morning. And then the researchers followed up with the patients annually and they performed detailed health checks, and they did this over six years. Those who took their antihypertensive in the evening halved their risk of cardiovascular death, including heart failure and stroke. So it really seems that we really want to uh, look at, read the labels on your medications, and, and I'm not, you know, all medications, but especially if you have a heart or or hypertension uh, drug. So why do you need to take these antihypertension medications at night if the danger is most acute in the morning? And the, there's a great answer to this. It relates to the, how the drugs are absorbed and distributed in the body, how they're metabolized, and then finally how they're broken down and how they're excreted. Uh, these processes take time. 
So if you take an antihypertensive medication at bedtime, it gives the drug levels the rise that they can remain in your body at relatively high levels. And in that way, they act to reduce blood pressure across the time window when that sharp rise in blood pressure normally occurs, which is going to be between 6 a.m. and noon. If you took that medication in the morning, the drug effectiveness will have risen and then it would peak after the critical surge in blood pressure. So basically, it's not doing you any good. So evening also appears to be the best time to take aspirin, which thins the blood by inhibiting pro-clotting factors and reducing platelet activation. Aspirin levels in the blood rise rapidly when the medication is taken, and then they decline fairly quickly within a few hours. So how does bedtime aspirin reduce platelet stickiness in the morning? What it does is it prevents platelets from clumping together to form clots for the lifetime of the platelet, which is about 10 days. And then the platelets are permanently turned off after exposure to aspirin. <laughs> this is a statistic I did not know and I found pretty fascinating. A hundred billion, billion with a B, new platelets are made fresh every day and they are made in the evening. So taking aspirin in the evening that will ensure that these new platelets will be effectively deactivated before the dangerous window for stroke the following morning. Now, you might, as I was wondering, is there a downside? Okay, there is a downside to taking medications in the evening. Taking aspirin before bed could increase your chances of damaging your stomach or intestinal lining leading to the development of ulcers that could cause bleeding or perforation. But you could use a proton uh, pump inhibitor, which are called PPIs, and they have drugs that protect the gastrointestinal system, and it can resolve that problem. And as for the antihypertensives, some are diuretics that will stimulate the kidneys to remove water and salt from the blood into urine, and it does reduce the, reduce the blood pressure, but it increases urine production. And then, of course, it makes it necessary to get up during the night and hit the bathroom. So right now, there are no formal guidelines regarding when patients should take blood pressure tablets or aspirin. And there are many new studies that are underway in an attempt to support the findings that I just talked about. And if confirmed, they're going to provide important guidance for general practitioners but in the meantime, I think it is it just to me what I'm going to do. I mean, I don't take heart medicine or stroke medicine, but um, I just think if I have to take any medication ever, I don't take anything now. But if I have to really read the instructions, normally I would have just taken something in the morning. Um, and so read the instructions. Also, talk to your doctor if you are taking any of these. We want to keep you healthy. Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. We're going to go into a storage unit when we come back from break. And we'll talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the very costly. Stay with me. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, I thought it would be fun to talk about storage and storage units and just give you a little insight. Uh, as I have told you in the past month, I was working on um, cleaning out my garage. It was a huge, huge project. And I'm finished. Hooray. And it, was, it felt so good. I mean, so much went to garbage. So much went to recycling. So much went to Goodwill and friends and, you know, people who could use things. Because uh, I've, had, I've had many fabulous careers. And so I have a lot of things from a lot of, a lot of different careers, especially from interior design, where I had some beautiful fabrics and wallpapers. And then doing a lot of art, you know, I had a lot of paint and all of that stuff. But anyway, everything is now very organized and I labeled every shelf. I labeled every box and it's so easy to find things. I repainted the whole garage, including the floor, and I think it looks really nice. And I can actually get a vehicle in there now. So that is good. And anyway... But for Be The Star You Are, we do have a storage unit because uh, when we, we used to keep all the, the books and everything, all, you know, everything that we would do for these live events and, uh, you know, all the different crafts for kids, we used to just keep them in the Be The Star You Are office, but it we just looked, it was so cluttered and it just was awful. So um, 
for a while we were donated a storage unit, but then now we have to pay for it. And we have had to for the last few years. So I have to be careful and because I have, um, you know, a fiduciary uh, responsibility to make sure that everything that I do on behalf of Be The Star You Are charity, you know, is saving them money and not spending money. So I was at my storage uh, unit, well, not mine, but the charity storage unit, because we're getting ready for the Pear Festival. And it just made me think about how important it is to talk to you about storage units because they can get very costly. And what many people do is they just throw all their stuff in storage and then they never look at it again. <laughs> and then, you know, you're by the end of the year, you might have paid a few thousand dollars for junk that when you go through it, you just want to toss it like what was in my garage. I mean, there was so I, so much garbage, so much stuff that I don't know. I was just saving it for, I have no idea for what, but we didn't need it. So the first modern self-storage facility started to appear in the 1960s. And the original purpose of the units was just for temporary storage needs, like you were moving or you were um, getting married or you were getting divorced or there was a death in the family or maybe there were all these heirlooms and you didn't know what to do with them for at the moment or didn't have time to go through them or maybe you had your kids were transitioning into their own homes and so you just needed to put something away. But there are some good reasons to rent a storage use unit, but there are also pitfalls because you start delaying decisions and you start storing items indefinitely. And it's really important to have some strategies for maximizing the use and efficiency of your space. So the good thing about a storage unit is uh, they, well, there are situations when you absolutely need temporary storage. And that is a wonderful reason to uh, rent a storage unit. Uh, when our house flooded uh, a few years ago, we had to get those pods. You've probably seen them in people's driveway because our entire, our upstairs flooded, which flooded the downstairs and everything had to be removed. Walls had to be knocked down. I mean, we were literally with studs. It was terrible. And anything that was recoverable had to be moved out. And so it was so much easier to rent these pods that they would bring them into your driveway and park them there. I had two of them. And then, you know, when the house is put back together, you could um, put, you could, you know, you'd have it right there. You wouldn't have to rent a truck to move your stuff and all that. So I found that really, really useful. But there are also those storage units that you see along the freeways or in some towns that, um, you, you know, people just rent. They could put their, they might put their boat or they might put their, uh, another car or, you know, they just put boxes of junk in it. So let's talk about the good reasons to rent a storage unit. If you're in transition, um, so if somebody had lived like you had a three-bedroom home for a number of years, 20 years or so, and then you want to downsize, but you have no time to find a new house, 
but you need to pack up your items because you've got a realtor coming in and the realtor wants to stage it and they do not like all your old crap that you have. It's not crap to you. You know, it's very well loved, but somebody who's buying your house probably doesn't want to see that saggy sofa. So you, for that, you might pack the items up um, it, and as you're packing them, try to look to see what you want to keep and the, and those you would move into storage. And then you want to carefully arrange the storage unit so you could have easy access in the front of the unit to the items that you might need during your transition. And then you could put all the rest in the back. And then you could, you know, if you had to move into a temporary residence and, and then it might take in this, I don't guess in this real estate market, who knows how long it could take to find a new rental or, or a house or whatever, because every you know it seems that people are giving multiple bids to rent something or even to buy a house. So it might take a few months. So, but that's a really good reason to put stuff in storage. Another one is if you are remodeling or like what we had, you know, it was basically we had to remodel. Uh, we had uh, a disaster at our house. And that's a great reason to use storage when you are remodeling your home or doing something after some kind of disaster. And then when you are packing up for the storage unit, it really gives you a chance to carefully pare down your belongings, decide what you really want to keep. And then you'll be more mindful when you go to bring things back into your home. Another thing is, is if there is a death in the family or you have just inherited things from parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or any of that, because there are lots of emotions to consider when you inherit something and you might not be ready to go through all the items right away. And, you know, you don't want to rush things like that. I mean, it, I mean, just even with me cleaning the garage, I'll give you a, a, a silly example, but I had, I don't know, four or five um, bird feeders that were in one of my packed shelves. And there were just so much junk in that shelf. I literally just took everything out and threw it away. And then I was out in my garden and I'm looking around and I had all these birds and I just downloaded a new bird app. And I thought, you know, those bird feeders, I think they were in good shape. Maybe I should dig them out of the garbage. So I did. I looked, I got a couple of them out of the garbage and they were just so lovely. And some of them are heirloom. And it was just on impulse that I threw them out, which is not a good way to do it. So I cleaned them up, filled them with bird seed, and the birds are very happy. So yeah, again, you may want to, you know, store some things if you've inherited them. And if you have siblings um, that you might need to coordinate things with, that is a good way to do it. Put stuff in storage and then you can make a date that you all get together and go through things. But remember, there are probably boxes and boxes of physical photos that are going to need to be sorted and storing inherited items for a short period of time, it can help ease the stress. And I know that when um, my mom died and my siblings and I were cleaning out one of our barns, which we still haven't finished because the pandemic hit, but talk about boxes and boxes and boxes of photos. But we did take a few days and 
uh, the, when we're talking about the photos, I have 36 first cousins and I, you know, I have aunts, I have all kinds. And then second and third. Oh, and there were pictures of all kinds of people. So we actually made these, uh, made areas, which with each extended family, with each aunt and uncle and cousin's name on it. And every time we found a picture, we put it there. And then I sent, uh, I sent everybody pictures. And since the pictures have gone back for years, people were really thrilled to get them. And most of the time, they don't either, they don't remember the pictures or some of them were, were from their parents or grandparents or other aunts or uncles who are no longer with us. So you don't just want to toss things. Other reason would be if you have a valuable collection. So another example of a good storage need would be to hold on to a valuable collection that you don't have room to keep at home, but maybe you're in the process of selling it or you would like to sell it because catalogs, uh, collections have to be cataloged. They need to be researched. And when they're sold, sometimes it's piece by piece. So you may want to consider selling the collection as quickly as possible as the value could decrease as you are paying for the monthly storage. So like one of the things that is in our storage, a big thing that's in it is uh, the books that we donate for disaster relief. So when we get books donated, we put them in our storage. Um, yes, it is costing us money, but that way when there's a flood or a fire or a hurricane or a tornado or something, and we need to get resources to people quickly. We don't have to ask for donations of the resources that could help them get on their feet again. We already have them. So we, well, that's why we do store them. And to us, it is worth it. It's part of our outreach program. And then longer term storage. If you find yourself needing a longer term storage unit, be really mindful of how you arrange your items inside the unit. Again, I think it's so helpful to label everything, label your boxes, and you should have details about what's inside and have those labels facing outward so you can read them. And it can be very helpful to set up storage racks inside the unit so you can get them easily. One of the things that we have inside our unit, and our unit isn't all that big, but it's tall. And so we brought a ladder in so that we can get the things that are really high up there. Now, these are situations that you probably don't need storage. So that was the good. This will be the bad. Um, some people just rent a storage unit with absolutely the best intentions, thinking it's going to be a temporary fix but then end up paying for years and years of storage because they have limited room in their home to store all of their possessions. And then they just move all those items to storage because they're not ready to let go. So some of the things that people seem to put in storage, as I just said, books and probably lots of paperbacks, um, so if you're if and you're not going to donate the books and you don't think you're going to to read them again, I do think you should donate them. And when I say don't, if you don't think you're going to donate them, if you're not like us and running an outreach program where we donate books, um, unless you really love these books and you want to pass them down to children or grandchildren or give them to friends, it's probably better just to donate them to your local library or 
you could donate them to a, a shelter, a woman's shelter, or something like that because people really do like them. Another thing people put are clothes, 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 and more clothes. Do those clothes even fit? Or do you think you'll ever wear them again? Now, if they're really stylish, and again, they would fit into that valuable collection where you're going to sell them, then maybe that would be something you might want to keep. But if it's just, you know, trendy clothes that are no longer trendy, again, Goodwill, St. Vincent de Paul, people or, or you know, homeless shelters, people need clothes. So do that. What about old broken furniture? Now, would you be able to purchase new furniture for less, or are you ever going to fix that old furniture? Uh, I did that with a, just a, a storage unit that we had on our property, just one of those metal storage units that we actually put on the ranch property because I used to refinish a lot of furniture. So I would find something that was broken, and I would refinish it uh, and reupholster it. And then um, my brother and I had a little business where we would sell these things, you know, at flea markets and festivals and stuff, and it was great. But then when we stopped doing that, I still had some pieces in there, and it makes no sense to keep them in there if you're not going to take care of it. If you have items that are too expensive to donate, delaying the decision on donating can be actually really costly. So just think about it. Things like, you know, maybe record albums if you have an album collection that could be very valuable if you have old childhood toys or artwork or any memorabilia or what about trophies or bikes i mean you can't ride a bicycle or a motorcycle or something if it's in storage so maybe it's just better to get rid of it and what about musical instruments if you put them in there thinking oh yes i'm going to play them one day well it's probably better to have them at your house or give them to a school, you know, for their orchestra, they would probably love it. Now, if you decide to rent a storage unit, there are several types of units to consider. There's that traditional self storage unit. They're located in a storage facility. They either have a drive up unit or you might need to go on an elevator or stairs. Um, like our Be The Star You Are's, it's on a second level. So all these heavy books, I have to have a hand truck, put them in the elevator, take them up the elevator. So it's a little, it is a lot of work. It's, it's actually pretty, uh, pretty tiring. There's also the, mo the mobile storage uh, containers that I told you about, the pods. They could be parked in your driveway or they can be shipped to another location. And those are terrific uh, for short term. I mean, you don't want a pod sitting in your driveway forever. There's also pickup and return storage companies where they will come, they will pack, they will load, and then they'll deliver it back to your home when you're ready. And of course, you pay extra for all those. Now, the cost, most people are going to keep their units longer than they intended, and except for a few situations. The reason is often for delayed decisions, and that can be really costly to you. So the cost of storage units depend on the size, they depend on the location within the building, and of course it depends on your zip code. So for example, because our storage unit is upstairs and we have to take an elevator, it is less expensive than if it was downstairs. So a seven by seven foot, this is just a 
this is just an approximate, a seven by seven foot unit in an upstairs um, location. It's going to cost maybe about $250 a month. Um, so you can multiply that times 12 and see how much you are going to spend, right, um, in, a, in a year, which would be about $3,000. Is it going to be worth it for you? Now, if you keep it for five years, you have spent $15,000. So what's in there? Is it worthwhile? This is why people who own storage facilities are doing so well. <laughs> so you need to do the math and you need to uh, really be diligent about what you're going to put in there. And above all else, if you are going to get a storage unit, Try to keep it fairly neat and tidy because that ugliness will lead you to not know where anything is. And then that becomes a disaster. Well, thank you um, for staying with me on this one. We're going to talk about college after the break and after the business bite. Don't go away. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And we are coming to you live on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. Be right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Well, stress is usually all around us. And as kids are getting back to school and people are getting back to in-person work, we have some seasonal stress. So how do you calm your frayed nerves? These are just a few tips that you might want to try, and hopefully they will help. Manage your expectations. Be realistic about what a successful day or experience looks like. Awaken your inner child. Kids focus on playing games and interacting with family and friends. They live in the moment, and they participate in activities with joy. Copy them. Follow their lead. Create some calm around yourself. Practice distress tolerance skills. These skills trick the brain into keeping panic and frustration from escalating. And when you start to stress, how about start humming? Hmm, any tune will do. Humming actually causes a vibration in the throat, which triggers the vagus nerve, and it sends that chill out signal. So start your ums. Set boundaries. Don't be bullied. Obligations can stretch you thin. Learn to say no. No is a complete sentence and does not need an explanation. Give yourself permission to pause before blurting out yes. And also prepare yourself to hear no more often. Build emotional vocabulary. If you are feeling angry, Use language that reflects degrees such as annoyed or irritated, aggravated. By choosing your words carefully that match the intensity you are really feeling, you're going to gain control of the part of the brain that is creating that angry feeling. And in total, you will beat the stress. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com. Be the star you are. The star you are. 
annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. So before I get into college apps, I just want to give you the information about Picking up, pre-ordering, I guess would be the word, pre-ordering copies of No Barnyard Bullies, my first book in the Stella Bella Barnyard Adventures series, which is going to be available very, very soon. We're just now getting the proof copies, and I'm so excited about it. So uh, if you go to uh, CynthiaBryan.com and click on the Star Style store, you can pre-order copies now. At a, at a big discount and then when the books arrive then it'll go back to the regular price and then all pre-orders are going to come with lots of different goodies so the name of the book is No Barnyard Bullies and the illustrator is Jensen Russell and I think the illustrations are just so charming I love them so much and the stories are true and what you're going to find in this whole series of No no. Um, of no barnyard bullies is the first one, but in Stella Bella's Barnyard Adventures is all true stories from my barnyard. And we're in the process of creating some NFTs, which I don't know anything about, but I think it's going to be fun. So visit CynthiaBryan.com, click on Star Style Store, and the money goes to be the Star You Are charity. So you're really uh, making a difference. So um, does applying to more colleges actually gets you through the door is is more better you know as far as admissions go so if only five to ten percent of applicants are accepted to the most highly ranked schools will your student or if you're the student will you have a better chance of getting into them if you apply to all of them so many college-bound high school students and their parents would like to think it's true, but unfortunately, applying to more schools with ultra-low acceptance rates does not increase your chances of being accepted to one of them. And their college advisors are trying to dispel the myth that more is better and trying to guide students towards selecting colleges that are their actual best matches, because then you will enjoy a lot less stress and far better results coming spring. College admission rates have very little to do with the probability that you're going to be admitted to any school. So if a college has a 10% admit rate and someone applies with a 3.7 GPA or even with a 4.0, 
but they only have like, you know, um, okay essays, a few extracurricular activities, but really nothing remarkable and no legacy athletic or other hook. Um, that person probably has a one in 10 chance of admission. So that student, even though they're a 4.0 student, likely would have a zero chance of admission. <laughs> no matter how many schools with how many admit rates that student applies, there's going to be very little chance of admission. So a 10% admit rate does not mean that every applicant has a one in 10 chance. It's still based on who you are, what, you're, what you have done, what you've accomplished, how much you've volunteered, etc. So each college application is unique, and each application to each college that a student has on her list is independent of each of the other applications submitted. Admission officers at highly selective colleges, they expect to see a high quality as a foundation to any application. So a serious candidate is expected to provide very strong high school transcripts, high test scores that positively correlate with the excellence achieved on this uh, transcript. They have to have well-written, well-conceived essays that show a very authentic voice, and they have to respond fully to the prompts and with sincere and consistent demonstrated interest in their school. So it can't be generic. And other factors include a strong record of extracurricular involvements that are building upon the applicant's special abilities and talents, sometimes known as hooks, and or personal and career-related interests. And for the most selective schools in the U.S., talents and achievements should be recognized beyond the local and regional level. So, for example, kids that are hosts and reporters on Express Yourself Teen Radio they have a great hook because not that many people are um, doing radio shows that are heard internationally. Now, it needs to be noted, however, that each admissions officer considers how achievements and strengths relate to the type of class that college is constructing that particular cycle. So most highly selective college craft classes with eyes towards having a diversity of students with a variety of academic interests and talents. And when so many applicants have the same interests, like going to pre-law or pre-med or pursuing a degree in engineering, it's not surprising for admissions offices to choose those who present the best credentials as well as the very strongest hooks. So college advisors can best help their students by analyzing and understanding admission trends, as well as the cultures at highly selective schools. And they can also help students understand that even when their credentials are strong, they must present them well and with authenticity and with those great essays and interviews. So that's really important. Independent educational consultants can help students. So if you need somebody like that, you'll want to seek them out. And remember, if you really have a passion for a school, just don't give up. Just don't give up. Um, you might you might get in. Uh, my uh, my daughter was refused five five times. She got five no admittance, and she just kept uh, going back, saying, "This is the school." Finally, she was actually recruited because of her tenacity. So you never know. So thanks for being great listeners and allowing you me into your life every week. 
I hope you are tuned in to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, live here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And you can hear Express Yourself Teen Radio on the weekends, Sundays, 3 p.m. Pacific. For more information about Star Style Productions, to purchase any of my books or to book me as a speaker or whatever, please visit CynthiaBryan.com. To get involved with the charity Be The Star You Are, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And to read hundreds of reviews that are peer reviews, uh, teens to teens of books, visit BTSYA.org. Our aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. I want you to see beyond your physical being and know that you already are the star you dreamed of becoming. So cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And pick up a book this week because that, and to be a leader, you must be a reader. That is one of our mottos. Until next Wednesday when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.